Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. Today we have an exceptional guest, like always, who is also Asian, like always. Well, like always, <laughs> except for one guest. Oh, we did have one white guest. The very special and honorable yeah, John DeBerry. But that's not today. <laughs> not today. Never again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But yes, Young Me is correct. We have an incredible and exceptional guest this week for you all. But before we introduce them, let's do Patreon shoutouts. Yeah, as you know, if you like our podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon for bonus weekly episodes on Sunday, where it's mm-hmm. just me and Brian f- talking about shit that we don't understand. And if you like the podcast, support us. Why it's not? how we keep the lights on on this dang old operation. Yeah. I don't know why I said dang old operation. I don't know. What's I don't going know. on? What's going on? John was possessed by a ghost of like a <laughs> a gold miner. <laughs> what? That was really <laughs> weird. But yeah, if you if you want to subscribe and support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Let's get to the fun part, young Did me. I just call you John? You called me John. I did. Okay. I wow. thought so. Vibes are vibes okay, good. are catastrophic right wow, now. Wow, <laughs> we're really we're really high on mushrooms. I don't know what's going on. Okay. But yeah. any donation amount listeners gets you a positive affirmation on the podcast yep so let's do it young me okay I'm first ready. shout out goes out to evan danielson evan danielson is extremely clean in the kitchen next shout out goes out to nina pogorzelski nina you are a tremendous leader and you are loved do you think these are just like weird projections of things that we want for ourselves? I feel like that sometimes. That's the next one. This is one of those things where if we think about it too much, <laughs> uh, we might spiral. <laughs> next shout out goes out to Megan McFarland. Your mom is nice to you. <laughs> Caroline Lung, you have the best style at the university you attend. Yeah, I feel that. Big Psychic pool. vibes coming in. Next shout out goes out to Mia Vo. Miavo, this is uh, the highest compliment, not affirmation, compliment you could ever receive. I feel like you're a Sagittarius. (laughs) (laughs) Next shout out goes out to Hyunju Lee. Hyunju, you are the number one resource for all your friends on what to do when friends are visiting because you just have a pulse on the city and you know what's up all the time. Next shout out goes out to Rachel Tang. Rachel Tang is rich. Is that an affirmation? I don't know. Hey, that's a be- That's a positive affirmation, baby. That's the most Asian positive <laughs> affirmation. <laughs> Our next shout out goes out to Stella H. Kim. Stella, you handle spicy food better than all of your friends. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like you're right on the money today, Brian. I'm, I'm locked in. Yeah. Our next shout out goes out to Harry Monroe. Harry Monroe has a very... He, beloved beloved by his community (laughs) (laughs) i'm lost last shout out for this episode nicole kim nicole you are you're just really freaking hot here he goes again everyone here (laughs) brian goes again just horny for no reason (laughs) for no goddamn reason at all actually 
horny because we have so many wonderful Patreon subscribers, and I'm touched, and thank you for supporting the podcast, everyone. He, yeah, he's touched, not in a weird way. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, once again, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash feelingasian. Now that we have our shout-outs out of the way, young me, I think it's time to introduce our wonderful guest this week. So this week, we have a very special guest. Wait, Brian always introduced the guest, but I think, you know... Mm-hmm. He knows that I'm very excited, so he's giving me the honor. <laughs> the guest this week is an extremely brilliant and hilarious comedian and writer. You might have seen her on the internet where she is the queen. Also, she got a 10 out of 10 on Room Raider, and you know how much that means to everybody. <laughs> Everyone give us your ears for Jenny Yang. Thank you for having me. I am feeling very Asian today. Thank you. <gasps> you You are? Do you yeah. feel Asian every day or is it today in particular? Today in particular because of the two of you. I'm just glad that <gasps> wow. we've been able to co- all connect and talk. I've been, you know, I've been getting to know the both of you and your work. And it's just super fun that we get to finally meet, at least virtually. It's so weird when you like meet people now because it's like, I kind of know everything about <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> You know, I do talk a lot about my personal life. Um, That is part of why I got into this gig. Listen, when you grow up repressing everything, that's why you become an artist. Yes, Yes, I definitely feel that. Definitely feel that. Brian's still in the repressing stage. He'll get he'll get where we are soon. You'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I feel it. I feel the shell cracking. Yeah, we're getting to know Brian finally. Jenny, we're so excited to have you on the podcast, and for. Our listeners who like to watch on YouTube, let's take a moment and really appreciate Jenny's 10 out of 10 Zoom setup Look. because it is <laughs> wow. Wow. Vibes are immaculate. Yeah. If you're <laughs> only listening to the audio, you're really missing out. There's This is a 10 out of 10 room if I've ever seen one. Oh, 100%. And Jenny's glowing through the screen. <laughs> it's a lot of blush. Skin popping. Skin Hair popping. looking amazing. We're well, here for I, it. On to all yeah. the YouTube people, I, I hope you can forgive me when for a moment I forgot that I was being recorded. And while you were doing the Patreon shout outs, I like had a yawn happen. It does not reflect on how I feel about the situation. Oh, no. You were yawning while we were trying to do jokes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Wouldn't be the we first like, time that so happened funny. to us. We're so funny with our dumb Patreon <laughs> No, it has nothing to do with present company. I, th- I thought I was off camera, in a, so to speak. It's because, right. it's because I've been, I haven't been sleeping well this week. Before we ask you how you're feeling, young man, I'm going to ask you how you're feeling. Well, like I guess like Jenny was saying, feeling sleepy... I You're feel, feeling sleepy right I'm now. I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm feeling sleepy right now. No, there's no air in this room. We have to turn the air conditioner off. Am I sleepy or am I suffocating? I'm not sure. Um, I feel like my sleep's been kind of messed up. Okay. And that's like really, you know, I always bring this up. It's like little things like if I don't eat well or if I'm not drinking enough water, it's like my entire life just like goes off the fucking rails. There's only two feelings you have, especially on this podcast, young me. It's either you're not drinking enough water and you're mildly uncomfortable or you're on the verge of a mental breakdown. Um, yeah, I think it's both this week. Both. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll tell you the overarching, overarching, overarching feeling mm-hmm that I've been having recently is, and you know, it's one that never goes away. I just feel like I'm not doing enough fucking anxiety because I feel like my life is slipping through my fingers, which somehow leads me to doing less and like 
catatonically lying in bed and absolutely not doing anything for hours. And then my dishes are in the sink since Tuesday and the laundry's unfo- not folded. And then half the week I have my son, I co-parent him. During that time, it's just like keeping him alive mm-hmm. is 100% yep. of my energy. And then he goes to his dad and I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the like, oh, I got to fold these fucking sheets. But I'm like, when he goes to his dad's, I'm going to fold the fucking sheets, you know? And then he goes to his dad's and then I lay down for 85 hours (laughs) and then I realize I have to pick him up again. (laughs) Literally 85 hours of straight laying down. And the sheets are, it would take maybe three minutes. It would take maybe three minutes to fold the sheets. Oh, yeah. And then I spiral about the fact that I am worthless and have done nothing that's been like such a big that's like i guess that's like always in the back of my mind but it's like been oh, recently yeah like when you're in that state whether it is something as simple as you know picking up a single stray sock and putting it into the laundry or yeah, i can't it has, or you have to type up a 150 page dissertation they're both equally difficult i can't do it and i feel yeah. like i feel like if i could overcome this thing I could do everything I've ever wanted to do in my my entire life Mm. in maybe three days. (laughs) Like I could (laughs) write a book, like shoot a movie, write an hour comedy special. I could do that in three days if I just could, could, could just like pick up that one sock. Do you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. But I can't. I cannot. Maybe the story, the children's story of the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise was in fact just suffering from Dep- severe anxiety severe and anxiety depression. and depression it wasn't that the tortoise was slow he was he's just as fast he was just as a rabbit he was lying hours. down for the first hour of the race and then he got up and and caught up to the rabbit and then yeah. beat the rabbit but that's, you know that's my story that's your story and in the end you are going to cross that finish line and you're going to win okay i believe in that <laughs> Kind of. Thank you, Brian. That that made me feel better. I'm going to do everything that I've wanted to do my entire life in like one weekend, I think. Right. I feel like when I'm 57 years old, I'm going to write the book in a two day period. I have to say this is oh, I, I remembered an inspirational story because I feel like a lot of people probably go through what I just ex- uh, explained. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I heard. OK, I didn't know this, but <laughs> I forgot who it was. I'm pretty sure it was Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> I hope this is who it was. It was Listeners, one of those famous. Said Vincent Van Gogh. It was, it was definitely fact Vincent check. Van Gogh. Pull up your MacBooks and your okay, iPhones. You can right fact now. check this now. I'm not gonna do it. I'm lazy. I have to go lay down some more after this. <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh had some sort of like manic. Ep- this is me diagnosing him. Had like some sort of manic episode. I mean, he like, did cut off his ears. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the facts are the facts check the up facts, right now. This is, checks out. So he rented this like cottage. I feel like Jenny's looking this up. He rented this cottage like somewhere in. <laughs> france right okay and then in all of the paintings that we've ever seen the famous paintings he did in like eight weeks over the course of like a summer or a sp- or a winter or something yeah. during this little sabbatical right right this little artist retreat or eight it was 80 days 80 mm. days he painted every single famous painting that we know the sunflowers oh. the starry night and so when i oh, saw wow. that i was like see I was like, you know what? I'm going to lay down for a few more months and then I will do it yeah. in April. I will, if there'll be a 40 day stretch where I finish everything that I want to do, including the dishes. Let's yeah, go. That's my inspiring story. Uh, I for see. Everybody. And I also think, <laughs> and I know Jackson Pollock did something similar like that too. Like so, all of his splatter paintings are just from a from really like two concise weekends. period of time. So, yeah. so if anyone's listening, you know, and I feel like a lot of, I, I'm pretty sure that Jenny probably understands this feeling too. I feel like creativity isn't, because you know, a lot of times 
what I do to myself is like I'm going to write for 30 minutes, uh, three hours a day or whatever. Yeah. But for my brain doesn't work like that. Mm. It's just it's nothing. It's nothing for eight years. Yeah. And then <laughs> two days of something. <laughs> oh, my God. And then God. eight more years of nothing. So I have to just I have to be OK with that, I guess. That's how I'm feeling. How, how are you feeling, Brian? I'm feeling similar yet kind of the opposite in that well this week has been really hard for me because i've been having a lot of panic attacks and it sucks i've had three panic attacks this week like debilitating where i i was on the verge of going to the hospital and i just knew I i was just so distressed and right now these past two weeks have been really busy for me i had nothing for a year and then all of a sudden these two weeks have been the fucking goddamn busiest two weeks of my freaking life four days ago i had a night off and i just cried i need a fucking vacation like everything was just piling up and my brain just would not shut off and i was just thinking about what's the next project what do i have to do after write this i have to prepare for this script and it was just way too much and it's been really hard and i've been feeling really overwhelmed and maybe as of a day ago things have I feel like I'm in my body again, mm-hmm. but mm. man, it was hard this week. I was going at 150 miles per hour and like, it's just weird. Like yeah. when you're busy and you're in it, you don't really think and you're just working and you're tr- trying to do your best to fulfill whatever the project is at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then just hit me like a semi truck. I was just burned out, too overwhelmed. Ugh. Yeah, I know I, that I sucked. Thank you. No, I mean, not thank you, but like, no, I, I appreciate you all like just letting me vent and say get that off my chest that's the thing with creative work like why can't these things you know it would be nice to have like pace it out like space it (laughs) out where you can have a life and fulfill this like you know do your creative project but instead everything has to happen like be just fucking jammed into two weeks and you're gonna sleep like shit and you're gonna have way too much to do and yeah that's rough because i I, because brian was telling me that he had a few jobs and they seemed like very they're very time consuming they take a long time like he goes in for a long time yeah but also i think there's another thing about creative work that it's like tiring in this other kind of way yeah because for me it fucks with me in terms of self-value like do I deserve to do this? And there's a lot of mental fucking weird shit that's happening. Right. And I don't know for you, but like there's a lot of mental anguish that comes along with it. Whereas mm-hmm. and if I like work at a restaurant, which, you know, I've done for years, I'm just like, am I going to do this? I don't care about this, whatever. Right. 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 So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, it's yeah. I know I mean, you were, you texted me about it and I didn't, I didn't understand that it was like to this extent you told me you were having a, like an anxiety attack or something. Yeah, it was, yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was like, it was a hard week and Yikes. I had, my anxiety was through the roof and. Yeah. What do you do during that time? Like wh- when that's happening to you? I don't know. Like I, I just try to focus on like yesterday I made a point to exercise and like play tennis I, mm. for the for that stretch of time where I was really busy and feeling really anxious and not myself I wasn't doing any exercise or physical activity and I think for me that's what grounds me and mm. helps me release like this pent-up energy in a healthy way mm. whereas if I don't have something active to do I just channel that into neuroses and like feeling like I'm I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do and then I just fall off the wagon and it's just not right. good but I feel better now and I've been uh, eating mad kimchi because that helps me feel better. And I know like 
I'm all about gut health now. I, we've yeah, talked we about it on the podcast. Like, all the probiotics, like, I swear it is a salve for my anxiety. Yeah. So, uh, kimchi and tennis is the, is the cure. Wow. That's a really <laughs> Korean cure for depression. The Koreans were right all along. Kimchi and going outside and running around is the cure. But, Jenny, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Well, the best way to sum it up is this week was tough because my dad, who's very old, he's 94, has been dealing with dementia for a while and Mm. he's deteriorated Mm. a lot. And so earlier this week, we, we finally made the tough decision to like get everything in order so that we could move him out of the house, you know, away from my mom and my brother and my Mm. nephew to, um, to go to a home, to go to like an assisted living nursing home. I don't even know what category this is, but, um, Mm. it was, you know, it was really tough on the family because, you know, once you get that old, I mean, brother is 94, you know what I mean? He's lived a good life. He's barely there now. He's barely, there's moments, you know, but, um, so, so we just, the, the care for him became too much. And so we're happy. I'm happy that it gives my mom a lot of relief and rest because she's the main caretaker of him. But now we're just like processing all these emotions and all the trauma of like, you know, constantly sort of grieving my dad. And so, yeah, this week was like weird. It's like, he's still alive, but it's like a, another phase in the grieving process of who he was and what he is now and so I've you know I don't know what happens to you when you grieve or like like say when you go through like a big breakup or something when I have a Mm. lot of grief like a release of grief it's not only Mm. just sadness but it's like I get kind of anxious like I'll Mm. like not sleep well I get like just like terrible sleep and so that's what happened this week (laughs) I was just Mm. like oh I'm so sad all day and then you know fielding phone calls with my mom or visiting them and all this stuff and so it's just been heavy the night that he was getting moved out I actually didn't cancel on this like free sort of patio comedy show that was happening Mm. here in LA Mm -hmm. and it was the best decision even though I kind of wanted to cancel Mm. because I got to like Mm -hmm. kind of you know get the good energy from people and tell them exactly what was happening and I wrote like a couple of dumb jokes about it and um Mm. and it was good so I'm feeling like I'm healing but still in the middle of a process (laughs) wow that's so tough it's so hard guys yeah Everyone, I've been getting so many messages of people like, oh, my God, me too. My dad, my grandpa, my my grandma, my uncle, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Thank you so much for joining us during this time. But I, I guess it makes sense. Like what you were saying about the patio comedy show. It's just like I've heard that it's helpful for people to keep busy. Too, Sometimes. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. like a balance. You know, it's like, what do I keep? Mm-hmm. What do I not keep? And I'm excited we figured a time out for this. Wow, that's like so intense. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry. Thanks, guys. My whole family has a really tough relationship with my dad. And so for him mm. to be so frail and 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 still sort of very much an asshole, you know, even during dementia, it's like, a, a very, but we love him and we want, it, want him to mm-hmm. not suffer. And so it's like what, it's a lot of conflicting emotions, a lot of conflicting yeah. feelings. I think you just described the relationship that most Asian people have with their parents so perfectly. It's like, (laughs) we have a hard time with them, but we love them and we don't want them to be, you know, in pain and we care deeply about them. And it's like, it's like, you know, the most important people in our lives to a lot of us. So, Mm -hmm. but thank you so much for joining us. And I'm so excited to talk to you. It's been a long time. We've been trying to work out a schedule. Yeah. And then, uh, you know. 
a, a thing called a pandemic sort of threw a wrench into things. It was a little weird, <laughs> a little crunchy in the last 18 months. But yeah, Jenny, so Young Me and I, like, we're familiar with your work through your online presence. Your comedy is often political and dissects issues surrounding the Asian American identity. I'm wondering, like, has your comedy always centered on these topics? And if not, what was your journey into diving into these themes oh i've just i talk about these things but i also talk about other things it depends like i've talked about all these things the the entire time so i don't think anything has truly evolved my first mm. career was in politics like my first mission in life that i realized very early on right. was to you know be like i want to change the world kind of person you know what my mm -hmm. values are has been locked in for a long time and so the moment i decided i wanted to pursue stand-up comedy or comedy it just felt natural for me to just have my comedy be an extension of these values. And that includes, you know, talking about dating and relationships and my family and, and, um, I don't know, maybe what's happening out in the world, you know, but, right. I, and, but, but for sure, because my family is Taiwanese or Chinese and Asian, mm -hmm. then therefore it is obviously about my identity. I'm also just very influenced by being active on campus in college and being influenced by ethnic studies and um, Asian American mm. studies. And so that's always going to come in, you know what I mean, to mm -hmm. what I talk right. about. So to answer your question, I'd say that, you know, my comedy hasn't really evolved. It's always been this way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I don't mean to be reductive. Obviously, your comedy covers a huge swath of topics yeah. and sources from your life. But my experience with your Twitter account is that you're not afraid to get political. If there is something that occurs that is uh, specific to the Asian American diaspora, and it, I love you for this, you are not afraid to speak out and say what's on your mind. And it's often, before I've even formed an opinion, I'll sometimes just be like, okay, I want to see what Jenny has to say about <laughs> this. <laughs> Wait, what does Jenny think? What does Twitter is very... Influential in that in this way, though, because I feel like it incites a lot of public discourse and you, you aren't afraid to get political. Yeah. And you know what? For people like Brian, I love a malleable mind. You know what I mean? I love a malleable <laughs> mind. Don't we all? We love people like you know what sheep, I mean? sheeple. I, I have opinions. I have opinions. I want people sheep. to think just like me. Okay. No. Same. I mean, I, I take that as a compliment. I have realized that, you know, and we all work in the performing arts as writers yes. and as performers. And so, you know, we probably are of the percentage of whoever our cohort was growing up that probably liked words and, you know, was more verbal. And so I very early on realized that I'm able to put into words maybe something that others generally might not feel like they could as quickly mm -hmm. put into words. And so I appreciate that. And especially when it comes to really hard issues that happen mm -hmm. in the world, like, you know, the shootings happened in the Atlanta spas. Mm -hmm. You know, I mm -hmm. know that like I felt it in my gut the way a lot of people did. And I think I have learned that one way for me to process my own emotions is to express them through words. I feel like I was able to probably express a feeling that pe a lot of people were having, but just didn't have either the wherewithal or the energy to like say. Mm. I'm hearing that you're like naturally gifted in like formulating thoughts and expressing them through language. For me, that I had to learn how to do that. I feel like as a comedian, like I feel like 
my brain was just like a jumble of fucking dumpster like garbage just <laughs> swirling around and so i feel like when i started doing comedy you know like when you start doing stand-up and you're like yeah. people are gonna think this is great and i got on stage and i was like am i i'm not making any sense and so <laughs> it's like, i'm like finally i know how to say things in front of people but that's like that's uh, that's really important that you said that because that is a gift you know whether you're like that you're inclined to it or you know you I feel like learn it through practice like I did it's just I now recognize how much of a, a talent and skill that is whereas in before I didn't really realize how important it is yeah I would say I relate to to you a bit more young me in that I had to learn how to own my opinions and be comfortable sharing them on a in a public arena from a young age my mm. dad always packaged these uh korean proverbs and would just say things like the quietest one is the most intelligent and i would like <laughs> take that with me to the point where i'm like i don't even know what i think i'm yeah. just sitting yeah. and being quiet and just being frustrated because i'm not voicing anything what is up with korean parents or i guess all asian parents my mom had so many sayings like that one yeah. of them was the emptiest can makes the loudest noise <laughs> That is that that is true. That's a banger right there. That's a banger. <laughs> and that and then so I feel like I had to fight that for so long. Because yeah. I was like, mm. oh, if I say anything, they're gonna think I'm a fucking idiot and I'm like really arrogant or something. But I was like, no, mm -hmm. you know what? I am right. And your opinions are bad. Yeah. <laughs> and mine are mine are great. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. But you know what? I'm gonna tell you them anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's a matter of learning for everyone. It's a, it was a matter of learning for me. It's just a matter of when, mm. right? So you know, right. For, right. For, yeah, me, yeah, yeah. for me in high school, I you know had like formative experiences. I was a very big student government nerd, and it was like leadership, and we were very active, and you know, I went to like yeah. leadership <laughs> training programs, and it's like leadership, leadership. It's like okay, great. All my friends are the popular kids. What is this for? And I remember realizing yeah, right. this. I'm like, leadership is a tool. It's not an end in of itself. It's like you're just striving yes. for power. What's that for? What are you using that power for? And it wasn't mm. until I got to college, which is a very you know tiny, small liberal college called Swarthmore outside of Philadelphia that nice. I I applied there didn't get in <laughs> it, it's fine there's so many other good schools it wasn't until I went to college that I realized what these leadership skills that I was learning was for which is right, oh right, I, I have these right. life experiences that have informed a set of values that I would like to see in the world because I don't yeah. believe what the world is right now is the way mm -hmm. it should be and so you know I learned words like oppression and hegemony right. and you know what all right. the racism is and my training ground for existentially believing I had a right to an opinion opinion was in college mm. you know mm. because i was hanging out with all these very nice. privileged mostly white kids of professors right. frankly they're like harvard professor kids they're like you know dc lobbyist k street kids they're yeah. you know what i mean they went to prep school all these things and i remember going freshman year at swarthmore sitting in class and seeing these other white kids who are freshmen like me talking exactly like the professor. I'm like, how do you know how to talk like this? This doesn't make mm. any sense to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, when we're writing essays, it was like, you need to form your opinion. This is your opinion, synthesizing all of these things. It was just a level, a different level of belief in the importance of your independent thought. I'm, I'm really glad that you put it that way. It's like these two separate skills. You do have to have the skill of like speaking your mind and being very direct and like whatever thought you have communicating it like mm -hmm. precisely with your words and then there's another skill of like for realizing getting in touch with what is important to you as a human being and knowing 
you know, like, I think this is really important for joke writing, too, because I, I see a lot of people writing jokes without realizing what's actually important to them. They're yeah. almost like writing. It's almost like you're you're growing a tree from the leaves without any roots or mm. a foundation. It's like you have to know who you are and what, what you think is important and how you see the world. And yes. then you build your not only your thoughts, right. but your jokes from that. Like your jokes have to come from a very secure place. I mean, it's just a practice of being any artist is you just have to consume a lot of art. And like you said, Jenny, from that... Then you synthesize all that and then create your own opinion. And I think through there is like, what is your voice? How do you yeah. distinguish voice. yourself from any other comedian? And yeah, what's your point of view? But right, it's like, right. but, but you know, being raised in an immigrant mm. Taiwanese Chinese family, that was not an important thing to do. Let no. Gather around, children. Here is space for you. You, Jenny, what do you feel right now? What is your opinion of everything? No, no one mm. did that. No. <laughs> as soon as I said something, my mom is like, the, the emptiest can makes the loudest noise. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah. speaking of like figuring out who you are as a person and what's important to you, I wanted to ask, sometimes I'll like, I'll look back at all the material that I wrote and then realize that certain topics come up over and over again and then discover mm. things about myself that I didn't know were important to me. Has, has your work ever like illuminated something about yourself that you weren't aware of? <laughs> I probably should say yes, but not really. <laughs> Nice. No, good. You have the training. That's worth more. Am I no. saying that right? Sorry. <laughs> you know exactly I, who you are. Yes. No, I know. I feel like I know really like it, it's weird. You know, I, I worked in politics before I started comedy and right. in politics, you know, it's a lot of conversations and debate and you can still you can still work in politics as a professional and not have to like express your personal opinions but like it's really hard not to <laughs> you kind of have to do that and so that was the world I was living in you know and so I think for me making the leap into comedy mm. was a huge decision that required meant a, a number of years of thought <laughs> mm. you know and so it's like right. what am I doing this for so you know, it's putting out a spreadsheet to figure out financially what I can afford to do if mm -hmm. I were to quit my career. Like, so for me, I think it's a little different, say, than like other people who started at the same time as me, you know, um, where I, you know, maybe I wasn't 21, fresh out of college. I was like kind of already fairly formed as a human being, you know? Right. And it right, was just a matter right. of like practicing and honing in. But like the in terms of like anything that I realized, one of the things I realized was I really do care a lot about talking about um challenges of growing up in my immigrant family. But mm -hmm. it, you know, I think at the time I wasn't emotionally processed enough or I think craft wise equipped to adequately address such a tough subject. I like to describe mm -hmm. like, you know, whenever people are like, mm, is anything off limits, Jenny? Is anything off limits in comedy? And I'm always like, no, but you do have to understand there is um, there is an economy when it comes to comedy and people are going mm -hmm. to support you with their time, energy or, or money or mm. not. There's also the fact that as a craft, I see tough topics in comedy like their radioactive materials. So if yeah. you really want to handle material that is radioactive or tougher to mm. handle, you better mm -hmm. be equipped. Get, get yeah. some fucking gloves. I hope you have some hermetically sealed <laughs> fucking saran wrap on your body. Right. You know, your 9-11 right. jokes, your cancer jokes, your rape <laughs> jokes. You know, Cameron Esposito had a whole you know show that she wrote called The Rape Show, like rape jokes only rape jokes right. or something. The whole thing was wow. just only rape jokes. And this raised money for, them. I'm like, yes, 
Cameron was equipped to do this. It has to be done in a certain way, you know? So, you know, so going back to my answer, basically, yeah. one of the things I did realize is that, you know, I wanted to talk about tougher subjects like mm -hmm. depression or trauma or what have you, but it's been really tough for me to write about it or even make it funny, you know? Mm. So I probably haven't talked about it much on stage, but, you know, this week there's just something in me that was just like, well, I'm going to take a stab at how it feels right now to mourn a still living very old father you know what i mean who wow, right, have like, like yeah. not a positive relationship with what an interesting topic what a complicated yeah. like emotion this is going to come out later but right now i just i did post um a video of that show that i did the night that we moved my dad out because I, I didn't cancel i just put up some video of like the two jokes i wrote for it it basically i just said my dad has dementia and it was it's really it was really hard living with my dad he he thinks the world revolves around him he loved like yelling at us and he mm -hmm. he, he liked hitting people and then he got mm. dementia you know what i mean he, and then he got to <laughs> you know you didn't have to laugh at that but <laughs> but do you know what i'm saying I mean, like <laughs> But that was the, right. that was one of the jokes. Right. I've thought yeah. I've thought that I've probably been thinking about that for a while. But it wasn't until Tuesday night that like I was like, oh, I, that's the joke. Then he liked hitting people. I love oh that. Gosh. <laughs> it happens, guys. Ultimately, I'm kind of curious. What was it oh. about comedy that career in politics just couldn't provide for you? Mm. That like moved the needle for you in that way yeah because in my head i kind of almost see the two scratching the same itch in a weird way you know i, I mean i guess they're what different type of comedian but, yeah. you are but you know you yeah. are very you use comedy in a very politically engaged way yeah. i see i understand like once i learned that you had a career in politics prior to comedy well it didn't it wasn't surprising to me at all yeah because you synthesize it into your material yeah Ultimately, i guess like what was it about comedy that you just like I need to do this. Yeah, I think, you know, from a young age, I realized I wanted to see change in the world. I wanted to influence how the world yeah. works. And so politics mm -hmm. was one way to do it. And then I realized, right. oh, um, this whole time, by the way, starting in, in college, I, I started performing poetry. I wrote poetry since I was in the fifth grade to process mm -hmm. my feelings wow. like everyone does. Wow. But it wasn't until college, I did. you know, as a form of community organizing with fellow students of color and queer students we all would get together and perform and I was like oh wow you can perform this stuff so that's what mm. I started doing and I continued mm -hmm. doing it in LA mm -hmm. actually for a while in Los Angeles I was known as a poet weird wow. no one knew that oh yeah I did wow. gigs yeah and so but I never thought of it as like anything serious because I was working yeah. for the labor movement or I was like working mm -hmm. for a nonprofit. And so mm -hmm. I was making right. six figures and I was just stressed out in a toxic work environment, just unhappy, you know, wor working with a board of directors or like people above me who mm. I would realize I was like, I don't want to live their life. I don't look up to them anymore. So I tried a comedy because I always knew I was funny and people would tell me that mm. because I performed poetry. And I finally was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to respond to what the universe tells me. So that's my long answer for that. I just want to say this. I oh, I know I I know I always say this, Brian, but like that leap is the impossible leap. We the, I always told me and Brian we're like such losers and we're struggling. But like the leap, because I also did something similar where I took the leap when I was like, I'm going to do a comedy. Yeah. I swear to God, 90 percent of people that want to don't do it. And it's yeah. like it's not nothing that we did that. That is the impossible first step. For That's sure. like the step that takes you from Earth to literally the moon. <laughs> and then you're on the moon and you have rent due 
And then you're like, now what? You know, but at least you're on the moon. So I, I want to ask you, I have this question because your content, I think what you were saying in the beginning was like, you know, I have a lot of different kind of content and material, but I am known for this specific like political Asian stuff. Um, yeah. ha- have you ever felt that your material was too Asian or if it was like maybe too niche or has that has that ever crossed your mind? Or? I mean, it's crossed my mind only because I think for a while, up until very recently, working in Hollywood would pigeonhole you if you were mm. to sort of focus too much on your ethnicity. Right. I think like Mindy Kaling is a perfect example of whenever you re- read her, like you've read her interviews over the years about what it meant for her to succeed. So much of it was like, I used to realize that like I was going to be this abnormal for lack of a better term person, right. In, in all of these very white dude, Harvard graduate comedy writers rooms or performance right. spaces. And I really had to double down in Excel and maybe not even lean into my ethnicity. And when I started 10 years ago, I felt that, you know, part of me was like, I know this might pigeonhole me, but this is mm. who I am and it's what I care about. And so that's mm. why I started a, a, an Asian American, like mostly women stand up comedy tour, disoriented comedy mm. very early on when I started stand up because I was like, mm. I don't care. I just want to be around the people that care about me. Eventually that turned into four years of doing an Asian American comedy festival like the first right. of its kind. And I would sell the shit out. Like for five mm-hmm. straight years, I was like producing an LA show wow. as well as a show around the country independently without any agents or whatever. Right. And touring and touring colleges and universities, just working by fucking butt off. People would be like, Jenny, we started stand-up comedy at the same time. How are you selling out these shows? And I was just like, um, yeah, well, you build a fucking young adult life of connections in a network of Asian Americans who care about the community. And then the moment you become a comedian, create a quality stand-up comedy show that features a diverse, funny cast of voices, they will show right. up and they will buy tickets. I mean, we've... I feel like we feel like our listeners and the people that come to our show, they've just been starved for something like this. And I think, yeah, yeah, I think people are sometimes like our comedy friends are kind of like, how did this like happen? And we're like, I think they just wanted to hear Asians make jokes or something. I don't know. Like they wanted, yeah. they wanted it. So we we did it. I was around too in 2013 when BuzzFeed Video started. And so mm. I happened to know someone who was one of the first director producers. I was a part of that boom where there was a lot of like Asian American mm. identity conversations and videos that went viral. Since then, people know very much this is this is her brand and she can do these things. That yeah. Jenny's very capable of talking about identity. She's very capable of um, opining about politics. I just want to take a moment and say that it's really fucking hard to do what you've done. And I've always admired you from afar because you're reverent and you take no no prisoners, no bullshit. You just go down the ground level and you just make shit happen. And I think that you're a great role model for other people who are like looking to carve a path for themselves in this career. Because early on in my like comedy pursuits... You know, I remember hanging out with other Asian American comedians in New York and we'd just be like, damn, I wish I could be booked on this show or like we're just sort of waiting and dawdling. Like mm. I'm going to get together my material and then once I get that opportunity, I'm going to crush it. But sometimes that opportunity just never happens, whether it's you're not funny enough. But there's mm-hmm. also other variables that, I, that are yes. outside of the realm of just being funny. It's you don't 100%. look a certain way and that's why you're not even going to be given that chance. Yeah. Or you don't do the same drugs. 
Right, exactly. And so that's why I'm glad we like created this podcast and you know, my yeah. friend who I had this conversation with. It's all about just creating your own platforms and if you're just passionate yes. about it, that's that's the way to do it. That's that's the way. Yes. Also, I just want to say Jenny, I that drug thing is not an issue for me because I do all the drugs. So <laughs> it's an issue of the wrong kind of drug. I've never experienced that. I'm like, what are you guys doing over here? I will join you. Can I can I be on your show? <laughs> but yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, you're right, Brian. You know, Jenny, you were doing this in L.A., you know, years before we were. But I think, you know, we sort of all came to the same realization that yeah. there may be yes there is a lack of space for <laughs> people that look like us for material our material that just means you have to create it there is an audience that just they just want it like yeah that's why the are the shows are popular there's a huge audience and there's an industry that is for some reason just very hesitant to make room for us so we'll just have to do it on our own you know right. yeah yeah and i love it i mean you're gonna do my my new york show Yummy. I am and and coming um, out the day know, that um, this episode comes out. The show oh, no is way. tonight. Yeah, so if you're listening to this episode, the show is tonight, the twentieth, at Union Hall. Yeah, and there sold might be out, last so minute. You can't really out, watch so you it. Can't so. go. <laughs> I know. No, Already but sold last, out, there might so. be some last minute no shows, and you can get tickets at the door. Yeah. Well, Jenny, I have this fun question for you, and it is yeah. uh, in 2017. You said, Asians, if we just took our foodie culture energy and just channel that shit into actual town hall meetings and politics, like, you don't understand, we'd be powerful. Do you think Yelp and Infatuation still have a vice grip on Asian American culture today in 2021? Death grip. Yelp has a death grip. I haven't I haven't been keeping up with Yelp, but my God, they have a chokehold on the Asian community. Or does the Asian community have a chokehold on Yelp? Now, four years later, how are we doing? I don't know. I feel like I'm a little out of touch with the Yelp community four years Me later. Too. But I do know that like um, back then when I wrote that, I just was like, man, when when there's food news that was like, yo, that white chef from Philadelphia has a whack ass Bon Appetit video talking about his expertise in pho. You oh know, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> so forget. many people rose the fuck up. Do you know how many like yeah. Vietnamese points I got because I made a video making fun of that? Like, so I, I felt the energy, points. you know, right, of yeah. Asians right. who mm -hmm. would show up, you know, being like, no, that's wrong. Don't don't you know, don't fucking besmirch uh, our sacred <laughs> food, our food practices. You know what I mean? Well, and I so. Mean these white chefs be besmirching. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. Bes they besmirch, besmirch all the time. And so that energy, I saw it firsthand and I was like, man, we need yeah. to channel that shit. We need that indignance, that like protectiveness, that defensiveness. We need to, you know, voice that for other things that actually really, truly affect our lives. Yeah. Why does that always get, that really gets in our craw as Asians. I get like, I get fucking upset whenever white people do fucked up shit to Asian food. Mm. Yeah. Way more upset than climate change. And I don't know why that <laughs> is. Like, I, what's going on with me and my mental health state that I'm like, fuck that guy. He put kimchi on mac and cheese. What the fuck? And then I'm like, yeah. the earth is going to be uninhabitable in 10 years. That's, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh it's just how we're socialized. It's just how we're socialized. Do you remember yeah, Nigel true. Ng? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, comedian. The, comedian. the comedian. Uncle Roger. Who did Uncle Roger. Roger yes. Remember, he went yes. viral yeah. because he made fun of someone who made rice incorrectly. Oh my God. My blood started boiling. <laughs> I remember the person that cleaned their rice by adding dish soap. Oh my God. No, I can't. No. This is See, what was really important. Who cares about billionaires not being taxed? 
Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if my Amazon <laughs> package gets to me in 20 hours, then I'm happy about Bezos. Then that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't really know the video you guys are referencing because I'm just too busy worrying about like the sea level rising and stuff so oh wow wow Brian. I'm, wow, like, I'm Brian. six one i'm wow. six one by the way <laughs> no wow, i am 100 i am 100 percent on the same wavelength i love that freaking well, video that's but just that's human wanna, nature i'm optimistic though because when the atlanta shooting happened in new york there was a rally yeah and i'll admit it i wasn't i for most of my life i've just not been very politically engaged because mm -hmm. i have the privilege to not have to be politically engaged i would say in the last five years or so is when I really started to tap in and stay current and just read and stay educated and informed on what's going on. And I think there is a huge coalition of Asian Americans, much yeah. like me, that, you know, we are like banding together and realizing that having a voice in politics is real power in this country. Mm -hmm. And it starts at the local level. I love it. I feel like George yeah. Floyd Jr.'s murder highlighted the need to really know you who you are and how to be in solidarity with others. Right. right. Also, I want to point out what Jenny was saying. We, you know, we could go beyond just our personal communities and we should just care about, you know, just everything else. Yeah. Besides the pho recipe on Bone App that we're going to kill them for that. Well, that, that was. <laughs> Never forget. That, that's our 9-11. Sorry, that was terrible. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. But no, I, I think you're qualified enough. You you can handle that's radioactive material. You can handle. Oh, it. really? No, <laughs> I, 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 that was bad. She's was equipped. Awful. Well, before we let you go, Jenny, can we ask you the last question? What is something that you are proud of? <gasps> something that I'm proud of. I'm proud of getting my ass out for this tour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so yes. tired, guys. I didn't have to do this tour, this little mini tour. You know, it get, mm -hmm. it kicks off with you, right, in New York. And then the next right. day, ooh, if you have any listeners in Boston, come through wow. Thursday, the 21st. This is my plug. All right, basically. Yeah, just this is my plug. Just plug all your tour dates. Plug away. So yeah, Wednesday, like I was like 20th in New York, 21st in Boston. 23rd and then and then 22nd and 23rd four shows in Vermont so wow. you know what this is truly I'm excited to get the you know feeling Asian bump the northeast Jenny, feeling Asian bump you know what I mean Jenny we have a listener in Vermont and she drove down to for our live show so if this person I, I think she said Vermont so if you're listening <laughs> 22nd 23rd check out Jenny <laughs> oh my god Absolutely. if you're in you know what I want to see that level of dedication in my fandom okay I want to see people who couldn't get a ticket in New York drive their asses out to Vermont wow I was so I was like wow really I felt like so honored <laughs> I love that but no yeah, I am proud so of that I'm proud that I said yes to doing this mini tour even though I could be laying on on my ass I'm sure that everyone is very excited that you decided to do the tour because I, you know, you you're sold out in New York. You know, I'm sure your shows are gonna be popping, and they're all so excited to see you. You're so positive, and nice young me. I mean, that's just the truth. It makes me shy. It makes me shy. Where can our listeners find you on social media? I am always online on Twitter and Instagram at Jenny Yang TV. You y'all are inspiring me to do more on TikTok because my ass is just like not touch that shit. I want to get on it's TikTok, a but everything hell at Jenny Yang TV. 
Okay, it's a what? Jenny Yang TV. It's a hell app. More Ugh. so than other apps somehow. Yeah, don't read the comments. So, Brian, where can we find you on TikTok and social media? Uh, you guys can find me on socials at It's Brian Park. And what about you, Young Me? YM Mayor and TikTok is Young Me Mayor. You can follow our podcast on Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast, on YouTube, on TikTok, um, and patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Yeah. And once again, everyone, listeners, Go follow Jenny at Jenny Yang TV. Check out her tour dates. If she's in your city, freaking buy a ticket. Just do it. Just do it. Go, yeah, go to my website, JennyYang.tv, and sign up for my email list. I'm always on there. Go do that. Even better. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.